With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We work in media. Like, believe us, we do not want this to be a long right. layoff. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we will be the first to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, we understand that. Like, but, it, it, you know, we also want a realistic and safe end date to all this. And I mean, look, if they do college football without fans, we're probably not covering it. That'd be my guess. Right. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we'd be deemed essential in that situation. No, it wouldn't be like the ACC tournament because I was trying to think of a situation where, you know, we could safely do that. And I I don't know that there is one. I mean, maybe they'd let us cover games in the press box, but I doubt we'd get to interview anybody or right. anything like that would it be like it was at the acc tournament did, did that actually do anything? that good? was not the- oh my god I, I still have a picture on my phone somewhere of that where i was like this is not six feet no like it, what are we it was absurd it, it just made everything more difficult for everyone but it didn't actually accomplish any purpose um, right i could see them maybe letting us have like press conference style stuff welcome to an acc podcast I'm Lauren Brownlow, and yes, we're all still stuck at home. Um, I thought I've, I've noticed that Duke's had, as it often does, a rather interesting offseason. So I thought I'd check in again with our friend Brendan Marks from The Athletic, who covers Duke and Carolina and I guess state when they feel like it thrown into the mix. Sort of occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, you were touching with me before the show on the fact that I guess I don't know if your role's changed a little bit right now or if you're just sort of if you're wearing different hats than maybe you were wearing during basketball season. Where, where are you sort of at right now? Yeah, so th- I think the thing for us is I was hired to be a basketball writer. Um, you know, my focus is supposed to be 100% entirely on college basketball. But uh, I think with everything that's going on and, and also with the interest and, and, and having covered football in the past, they're interested in me doing a little bit of football. So, um, you know, hopefully some stuff on Duke, some stuff on UNC, some stuff on state in the future. But uh, they're trying to push me to contribute a little bit more on the football side. And that's totally fine with me because that's sort of my bread and butter. I love that. I was going to say, Brendan, I have news. Most triangle writers um, get into this with the intention of being basketball writers and yes. end, up covering, <laughs> end up covering football as well. So, yeah. I've, Plenty that aren't like that and plenty specialists and, and plenty who have a lot of background and knowledge and, you know, roots in football. So I'm not trying to overly generalize, but yes, there's plenty of us who grew up on basketball and football was sort of a an afterthought. Yes, it, it becomes a part of the job. So, um, you know, whenever we do eventually have football, if we do have football, um, I'd like to think that I'll be able to, to pop in there and help out some um, as well. It's weird with all the uncertainty that's going on. I do feel like having football, I think that the, it will be had. The question is when to right, me, right. I'm, I'm more and more convinced of that now, which I wasn't before, before I was actually kind of like, mm, I don't know if they're going to be able to have it. But now that they've started throwing out spring as a potential solution, if and this is a big if to me, if they can coordinate with the NFL in that regard, and yeah. if they can push back the start of the next season, like by at least a month. 
it could be doable, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's, I think there's a bunch of options. Um, like you, I was skeptical at first that it was going to happen. Uh, you know, when you start hearing the governor of California say, Oh, we're not going to have sports till 2021. It's like, okay, well, if that's not happening, then yeah, they're not going to play football without the PAC 12. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you're not, you're not just going to exclude an entire portion of the country. So uh, I think that's the toughest part about all this is it's going to be staggered somewhat because obviously North Carolina is going to be ready to go back and have football before a place like New York is, for example. Um, so how we sort of sort that out, I think is going to be the thing that really decides it. But if they can find out a way to overlap with with you know the NFL with with college basketball in the spring, um, I do believe that we will have a season. It's just in what form, how much is it condensed? Um, but yeah, again, I think those are probably questions for even a little bit farther down the road than we're already at. Yeah, it, one thing that interested me um, was because f- for. for- what I was thinking, and I think I threw this out last week um, when we had David Hale on the podcast, was I wondered if um, they have been talking about bringing fo- football players back to campus before students get back in the sense of like getting them ready to play. But the conference commissioners were very adamant that college football itself would not be played if schools were not open. I think that's just common sense. I mean, maybe I'm wrong in that, but if you can't afford to have all of your students on campus, surely you don't think that it's an intelligent idea to try and do it with part of the portion. I mean, I understand the thinking that you can, uh, you know, sort of corral football players and, and try and create like this in, like condensed little environment that they can live and exist in. But can you really do that? Like, can you really know that there's not going to be any sort of leak or breach in that? So um, it's a great idea, but in, in actuality and practice, I don't know that it's something that can happen. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it would also require them admitting that college athletes aren't the same as every other student. And that, I think, is why that they're as adamant as they are, honestly. I mean, not to be too cynical, but yeah. I do think that's a big part of it is like if they do that, they would have to essentially admit that these guys are revenue generators and not regular well, students. Right. Well, and, and the other thing that I thought was interesting from more of a 10,000 foot in the, in the sky view, um, I thought it was interesting that, you know, in that first call with Donald Trump, um, with the president, there wasn't any representative from from the college ranks on that call it was all the professional owners so um how this how this comes in through college is interesting because it has impacts on both sides it has impacts for the high schoolers and it has impact for people potentially going to the next level so um you know it's sort of the bridge and there's going to have to be some sort of solution i i just don't know that we're quite there yet yeah and i mean when you're talking about a potential february start for college football it does have me start to wonder about college basketball as well i mean do we have do we push that start up too i mean if we have a second wave like i mean i i know that's way you know in the future obviously and november's not as important as you know getting into conference play and things like that for college basketball right and you could you could push you could conceivably very easily push that up a few months and be okay yeah um it's not as big an issue i don't think for college basketball as it is for college football and especially with the nba super up in the air right now you know there's no telling what they'll do exactly well here's my question then for you if college football does last until if we don't start it till the spring let's say that you know we can't have sports the rest of this calendar year at that point is that already to the point where you're going to see athletic departments starting to cut teams. I mean, is that to the is that to the point already where the revenue loss is that extreme? I think yeah. I mean, I think we will start to see that um, 
we've already started to see it some, but I'm sure I know Cincinnati are, sort of yeah. took the one of the first steps. But I think that was something that was a little bit bigger than just this situation, too, from from what I understand. Yeah, I I was going to say, I think sports that were on the fringe already will be in more danger. Um, anything that they were sort of looking to potentially get rid of will get rid of. They'll get rid of it. Right, so. right. Um, and, and it's tough. I mean, it, it's going to have an impact. Although I know I did see Darren Ravel was saying something about ticket sales being X percentage of, uh, of the revenue. And it's really not that high of a percentage. I think the issue with, with playing without fans isn't so much, um, you know, whether or not they could do that in college football, it's more of an issue of, um, I, I, whether or not campuses will even be reopened by that time that that I don't think that that's why they're not going to wait until February just so they can have fans I think they're waiting until February because they don't know if campus if, if they do that, that because they don't know if campuses will be reopened right and the one other thing to me that I think probably hasn't been talked about a lot and and I haven't yet been on one of the calls with uh you know like a returning college football player for instance but are these guys going to like cooperate in the process like, are they going to be okay with, you know, if, if the rest of their peers are not back allowed on campus, are they going to be okay with signing up and coming and doing this? Well, that's the question, too. And then also, I like I said, this is why I think they'll need the NFL's cooperation, because the if they, they can't do this and then have a draft in April, I mean the season won't be over until June. Right. So there's no way elite college prospects, you know, for the draft would do that. And there's no way they can start the next season on time. Like that can't happen. Right. So they probably have to push some of that up to the next year. Um, and then maybe, you know, get back to normal the year after that. Right. But they need the NFL's cooperation big time and college basketball might need it too, really, because, right. And, and that'll be interesting to see because I don't know, you know, the NBA is probably most likely, I would think, right, going to just skip the season and go straight into next. That's what I would assume. But then yesterday I saw a report that, that said that there was, quote, optimism about the idea of potentially saving the season. So, Oh, that word, yes, optimism. Yeah, people love talking about it's, <laughs> um, it's I, I think there is going to have to be a lot of cooperation, like you said. The thing I would also be interested in is if you have to push it back till like January or February to start. Uh, and it abbreviates the season in any way. Does that dissuade somebody like a Trevor Lawrence? Does that at that point you're just like, okay, I'm just getting ready for the draft now. Like I know what I have at stake. This is not working. Yeah, I don't know if Trevor is the best example, probably. And I don't say this derisively necessarily, but it just the the Clemson sort of mindset does seem to be, you know, play it out. I guess I don't know if that's the right way to put right. it, but I just, I just mean with people of that caliber in general, right? Yeah. Exactly. I do think that there'll be plenty of prospects that'll just say this isn't worth it. And I mean, I was even thinking if they started the next season on time, what if a guy tears his ACL in like February? He'll miss the whole next season too. Like there's, they can't right. do that. Right. I mean, just on their and and football's so taxing on their bodies. There's no way you can have a season end in like May or June and then ask them to come back in two months and do it all again. Yeah, exactly. Especially and again, like you said, especially if there are injuries. So um, yeah, I mean that's just that would really suck if a guy tore his ACL and then had to miss the whole next year. Right, right. So you know, it's it's just a situation where there's going to have to be so much cooperation that any of these ideas that that are being tossed out single handedly, like you know, the NBA, that's great. If the NBA wants to try and save the season, you know, if you think you have a creative solution, okay, I'm willing to hear it. But at the same time, there's got to be that cooperation with the schools, with the NCAA, with the athletes in general, um, with the players' association. Like there, there are so many moving pieces that I think people 
people just sort of assume that, um, you know, one person is going to give the AOK, the switch is going to flip back on and everything's magically going to come to life. It's a much, much more multifaceted than that. Yeah, it really is. And it will require everybody sort of being on the same page to some degree. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. And I, you're the Duke guy. And now that you're doing some football, you've gotten to enjoy the, the wonder that is coach Cutcliffe. Yes. Um, he's, I love, I, I would cover Duke football constantly if I could, because I love him. Um, sadly, and I'm sure you have some awareness of this. Um, they, d- it just, from a <laughs> clicks perspective, yes. it doesn't move the needle very much. And, uh, we're not a clicks based business necessarily. Like we don't just cover things based upon that, but we do, you know, we, I don't think, I don't think fans realize how much they sort of dictate what we actually cover. Right. So as much as people were telling us they were sick of Zion, they were always clicking on the Zion stories. Right. Exactly. Like we even tested it once with a panic room, uh, Joe Ovius and I over on us, WRLsportsfan.com, where we were like, this is about Zion. Please click on it. Just kind of jokingly. And yes, people did. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, like, and so that's the thing. It's like we, you know, it's, it's, they, y'all dictate what we do. If you click on coverage of stuff that is, you know, good featurey type stuff that's in depth and, um, we, we do more of that and, Sometimes people do, but if you click on stuff that's like Zion, you know, spoke today for two seconds, then <laughs> right, exactly, we're, we're going to give you more Zion. Yeah. Like that's the we, we're not doing this to hype somebody up. Like that's y- y'all are dictating the market here. Right. So <laughs> let me let me ask you a question then, as someone who has who has covered this much longer than I have. Do you think that someone like a Chase Bryce coming to Duke will change that in any regard? Um, maybe a little, it's, I think it just sort of depends. I mean, I know that Duke was a lot more interesting, I think to the general public when, um, you know, they were making their resurgence and, and especially like in 2012 and everything like that. And, you know, Cutcliffe is, is such an interesting and and fascinating personality and, and a great storyteller and all of that, um, that I want them to be a thing because I love covering them. Right. It just is really fun. Um, you know, Mac Brown is interesting in his own right, and that gets plenty of, of clicks as well. But, you know, Cutcliffe is just, you know, so wonderful, and he'll sit there and break down, go on a nerd tangent with you and break down football, and um, it's wonderful. But, yeah, yeah it, it could. It could. It depends on how well he plays, though. I mean, that's that's part of it. I mean, they need to get better offensively. I think, you know, it's been tough because – even when Daniel Jones was there, they were still so up and down offensively. They just haven't quite been that offensive juggernaut that they had been, you know, earlier for Duke. It, it hasn't really quite clicked the same way it did, um, you know, back even four or five years yeah. ago. Yeah. 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 And that's interesting to me. I, I, I agree with you. I think that depending on how well he plays there, I, I felt like there was a spark around the program when he first announced that that was what he was going to do when he committed. Um, obviously again, that, that, that word optimism we we love to uh live off that um so i I so i think it'll be interesting i think that's one reason that that you know the athletic would like to see me cover them a little bit more in case that um he does do something and obviously you mentioned north carolina and mac brown and sam howell's a sexy name right now in college football so it's it's a lot going on but yeah i i very much enjoyed being on the cutcliffe call the other day he is um you can tell how genuine he is and I really appreciate that. 
Yeah. And I thought what he had to say was very interesting because sometimes with him, you can really read between the lines. Mm -hmm. Um, He doesn't often take direct shots, although he has. Um, And he has like he used to at Paul Johnson. They they famously would go back and forth. I mean, he didn't say Paul Johnson, but he would take shots about like their wide receivers and stuff like that. Um, But it was very clear that he felt like some coaches, whether it's in the ACC or in general, are not taking this as seriously as they need to take it and that maybe they're putting their their own interests he feels ahead of their players and i thought that was interesting to hear him sort of make reference to that um however veiled i guess yeah yeah i i think the thing that i found that was really interesting in that call too um and personally in speaking with a couple of other Duke coaches for, for a couple of stories. Um, those three days of practice that they got in are going to, you know, whenever we do end up having football are going to turn out to be essential um, because they at least have tape of their guys. You know, they have, they have somewhat current tape. They can see what people were doing and no, they don't have probably their likely starting quarterback in the program. Um, but, but having that little bit of time to evaluate and having something to go off of um, they're really, really relying on that. So He's he's a uh, he is a very interesting guy though. You know, when you talk about reading between the lines, I can totally see that. <laughs> yeah, he was sort of saying. I mean, he was saying that he felt like they would need um, a minimum of six weeks, and that he was like some coaches seem to think it could be less. I don't think so. And you know, it, 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 he he seemed to make reference to the fact that like, yeah, I mean, he did sort of say that when in so few words of like, we need to take this seriously and understand what we're dealing with. And um, I thought it was a nice contrast to what we had seen from some other coaches who look, I talked about this last week a lot with David about, uh, about Dabo and everything he had to say. And I don't take, I don't take as much issue with it. And as like him having optimism as the fact that I just wanted him to come out and be on message and tell people to stay home because his voice has a lot of power and resonance with a lot of his fans. Right. That's the biggest thing is I don't I don't think what he said in, in and of itself was was that awful harmful. It's just the fact that he wasn't necessarily on the same message as for, you know, we're very lucky that locally the coaches we've had have all been so um, on top of that. And I think I think just seeing somebody who didn't sort of do the same thing. Um, optimism is great. Obviously everybody's looking for a little bit of it right now, but at the same time, you got to be responsible. Like you've got to know that how many people are going to listen to what you say and they're going to act on it. So that, that was the thing that I think was also so harmful about Gundy. I mean, not, not to single out on Dabo. I mean, there, he's by far. Oh, for sure. oh, Gundy was way worse. Believe way, me. Way, yeah. way, way, way worse. So, you know, it's not the same thing, but, um, yeah, I, I thought that it was really interesting that, that Cutcliffe stressed that and tried to sort of pump the brakes a little bit. I think that's important. Yeah, and I mean, I think, look, I think a lot of us want, and I, and David and I talked about this too, we we work in media. Like, believe us, we do not want this to be a long right. layoff. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we will be the first to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, we understand that. Like, but, it, it, you know, we also want a realistic and safe end date to all this. And I mean, look, if they do college football without fans, we're probably not covering it. That'd be my guess. Right. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we'd be deemed essential in that situation. No, it wouldn't be like the ACC tournament because I was trying to think of a situation where, you know, we could safely do that. And I I don't know that there is one. I mean, maybe they'd let us cover games in the press box, but I doubt we'd get to 
interview anybody or right. anything like that. Would it be like it was at the ACC tournament? Did, did that actually do anything? That good? was not. The- oh my God. I, I still have a picture on my phone somewhere of that where I was like, this is not six feet. No. Like, it, what are we? <laughs> it was absurd. It, it just made everything more difficult for everyone, but it didn't actually accomplish any purpose. Um, right. I could see them maybe letting us have like press conference style stuff. Right. Like putting a guy at the podium. And yeah, I could see that too, maybe. But again, I, you know, I, I think I could totally see it where we're just not allowed at all. Wouldn't surprise me. So, right. and, and again, admittedly, you know, as, as much as I want to be back at work and covering games and everything, you know, what, what the media is doing right now, what, what happens to us is probably not as important as everything else that's going on. No, it's not. And it's weird on a, I mean, yeah. not to get on too much of a tangent, but like on a personal level, it's been weird because it's like, in some ways I've been really lucky and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Uh, you know, you see people getting furloughed and like, you know, you even sometimes people, you know, um, having relatives getting sick and, and people losing their jobs. And, and so you feel fortunate, you know, in a lot of ways that you're not dealing with some of that, but then I think it's okay to say that this still sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Like I, I tweeted this yesterday, but like I dropped off clothes for my nephew and I saw him through like the fence at my brother's house. And I just like got in my car and broke down because I was like, and it was the first time I cried through all this, but I was just like, Oh my God, you know, like he's going to be one in a few weeks and I'm not going to be able to see him. Yeah. And you know, I, ha- he looked at me like he kind of knew who I was, but not fully. Yeah. And I was just, it just killed me. And, and it's like, I don't know. I think I had not let myself feel any of that because of, you know, just feeling like I'm lucky in the scheme of things. You know what I mean? Right. I, I've, I think it's just like, well, I feel, I feel all these things, but I can't really let that in. And I feel frustrated and I want sports back and I want to make sure I have job security and I'm worried about all of these things, but I, I'm still lucky. I still have my, my family and everybody's safe and everything's good, but I think it's okay to say that this sucks. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I saw that you had tweeted that yesterday and I'm, I know obviously not ideal, but I'm glad that you at least got to go and, and to sort of let some of that out at least. Um, weirdly weirdly it was like harder to see him in that way because we'd facetimed before you know and it was like almost harder to see him like that than it was to facetime because it was like you're there but you aren't really there you know yeah yeah that is hard (laughs) but i i mean like it's you know that's the thing we can all have optimism we can all say we're going to get through this and then at the end of the day i think you're right you know we can also acknowledge that no, this isn't ideal. No, this isn't fun. No, this, yeah, this sucks. So, um, you know, I think about somebody like my mom who was tested, came back negative and Oh, wow. Yeah. Thankfully. Um, but she's been alone for, you know, a, Oh my God, a month, a month now. So, um, I, I know that there's people who definitely have it worse and, you know, we've gone and dropped off groceries on our front step and everything, but it's like you said, it's not the same. No, it's so. not the same. And it, it's, you know, it's, and the other thing I think, and I don't know about you, but for me, it's yeah. like, I don't want this to come back too soon and then have to do this all over again. Right. That's my big thing too. And that's where I get frustrated with people like Dabo or, you know, like I said, much more with like Mike Gundy, yeah. where it's like, please don't rush us back. And then we have to do all of this again. And it's worse. Right, right. There's a <laughs> there's a difference between optimism and um, whatever you want to call whatever Mike Gundy said. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That was. Uh, yes. I do want to make clear if I wasn't that that was so much worse. And so, yeah, I yeah. I think I, I just Dabo was talking about kicking it in, in the teeth and stuff. But I think the thing about Dabo is he's such a good coach because 
he understands how to kick somebody in the teeth, you know, and that was my frustration. Like, let people know how to kick that this thing in the teeth. Don't just say we're going to. Right. Um, you know, we know the basic things to do. And the thing is, too, Dabo is one of the best in the business at delegating to minds that really, really know what they're doing. I mean, he has some of the best coordinators in the sport and he doesn't mind. He, his ego is not too big to share the limelight with them. Right. You know, right. Like, like Brent Finables and, and, you know, his offensive coordinators that he's had through the years. And he's, that's, I think one of the best parts about who Dabo is as a coach. And so to me, that's an important part of leadership. And I, I got frustrated the other day because Dave Doran had a zoom and he was basically like, look, I'm not going to sound off about when this is going to be over. Yeah. <laughs> which, pro- which probably was a little reference to Dabo, but I think more of a reference to I'm not going to get in trouble. Right. <laughs> but he was like, but at the same, you know, I'm just going to do what they tell me. Right. And and I, I got people, Clemson fans tweeting me saying like, oh, he's a follower. And that was really frustrating for me to see because I'm like, no, he's that's what le- leaders defer to people who know more than they do about a given topic. Right. Exactly. And and leaders also have the, the place of mind to understand when they're not the end all be all in the situation. Um, yeah, that's the biggest thing is, you know, we can talk about this and how different coaches have handled differently, but ultimately it's bigger than any one coach. Oh yeah. And, and I think, I think all of us intellectually understand we shouldn't take our medical advice from coaches. So we all know that. But we'll keep asking. (laughs) I know. I know. It's, it's crazy. I I mean, I feel badly for them in some respects because, you know, even Mac the other day, I, Mac Brown couldn't help himself on his own zoom. And he was just kind of like, look, he even admitted, he's like, I don't know what I'm talking about. He's like, but it's hard for me to imagine them saying it's safe for a bunch of college kids to go hit each other for three hours and sweat on each other, but it's not safe for fans to be in the stands. Right. I, I you know, he, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't know if you've had this, this same experience, but talking to coaches away from like the zoom calls, just, just talking to them in a one-on-one situation, I have found to overwhelmingly be the case that nobody knows anything. And I, I think these zoom calls where, where everybody's on and you are sort of, asked to put forth sort of a platform or whatever. Um, you know, I, that to me is not the situation that a lot of coaches are actually in. They, they are in the dark by and large. I don't know if you've had that same, um, experience. Yeah, that's, that's what it seems like. I mean, I think they're doing a lot of talking to each other. Um, apparently Dave Clawson is, uh, the like head of the ACC coaches committee. That's what, uh, Doran was saying the other day. And he was saying, you know, Clawson's done a really good job of like letting them know everything that he's hearing and they're all trying to share things. But at the end of the day, like he was saying, they, you know, no one really knows anything, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a, you know, he's like, I know as much as you guys do. And I, I think that's probably true in this instance. I mean, he may know a little more about the scenarios that are being bandied about, but like, that's, that's it. I mean, they still, there's still just a lot of mystery as to what actually is going to happen. But, um, you know, and I, I thought that was interesting too, of like, you know, like I said, it seemed like Cutcliffe was alluding to the fact there's disagreement with ACC coaches. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought that was fascinating and, um, I've been trying to pick some people's brains and see what's going on too. And that was the sense I was getting is just, they know that they need to have college football. And Doran said that too. He's like, we, we all know we need to have it. It's just right. a question of when. Right. When <laughs> When and what does it look like? Yeah. And I think that's what, yeah, financially, it's something that I don't know that a lot of athletic <laughs> programs would survive without the TV money. I think, um, I don't know what the average figure is for ticket sales and stuff, but I know Nicole Auerbach was saying, I think it was like 25% of Michigan's revenue. That's, that, that's about roughly fair for everybody. 
for football. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much concessions and all that factor in. Is that the same umbrella or? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go to Nicole's Twitter right now and find out. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Cause I was curious. She was putting out a lot of good stuff yesterday. Uh, It's probably not as high as you think, you know, Yeah. like the concessions part of it. But I mean, it's money that they would like to have, but I think the TV money is a much bigger piece of that pie. Yeah, so she was saying that um, typically it looks like... When she was dunking on Darren Ravel, respectfully, of course. Dunking. Absolutely dunking. Um, Yeah, it seems like it's much more like in that quarter percent, 30% sort of range um, than than anything else that he was saying. (laughs) So that's that's survivable if they do play without fans, but they it's not if they don't play at all. I mean, it's just that would be catastrophic. Right. You've you've got to have you've got to have it eventually. So I'm looking at uh, SEC numbers from 2018. Ticket sales accounted for 22 percent of their revenue. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in Conference USA, it was only six percent. So there is there is Jeez. yeah there is some difference there for sure. That's good news for those G five teams then, I guess, if they have to play without fans because you know right. that way they don't they don't get as as crushed by this if they have to play without fans. Yeah, well, basically, you know, the bigger conference like an SEC is also doing much better in terms of donor contributions they're doing much better in terms of institution you know institutional support is not as big a deal for them because they've got other forms of income too so um, right but although that that could all be impacted by this too right right so (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing you know the idea that we have to have football i don't think is one that's uh misguided in any way i mean i think definitely in terms of keeping some semblance of the the current athletic model in shape um getting the revenue from the tv there is is completely essential the nfl is an interesting um i I think that college is essentially a developmental league for them at this point so i think that they're much more incentivized to cooperate with whatever college football needs to do yeah um yeah i I, sorry i was just looking at something else um (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm all over the place right now lauren um i hear you it's you know i think the thing is so let me ask you this then after everything you've heard from coaches, after everything that you've heard from people posturing and everything you've heard from Dr. Fauci and whoever else, if you had to put a guess on the line right now, when do you think the college football season starts? Hmm. I, I think it's probably spring because I think that's when colleges reopen. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think it starts in like end of January or so. Yeah, that's what that, because I think maybe they open up the spring semester and that's my guess. I think that we reopen things in general in this country probably earlier than that, but not completely. Right. And, and then if a second wave hits, we're probably a little bit, uh, hopefully, God, I hope, better prepared and equipped to deal with that. Yeah. And so it's not as much of a as a of a catastrophic event as this has been. Um, and maybe things can stay relatively open at that point with yeah. assuming we've ramped up testing and have a better idea of. You know, the antibody test especially, I think, would be a big a big deal at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think if we have more widespread testing where you can test people coming into places and things like that, you get a better sense, I think, of, okay, we can reopen in this capacity. But I still I wonder if fans would be allowed even even in, you know, even in January, February, if, if we haven't ramped it up to the point where we're testing everybody at that point like if we can't test people coming into a game and that seems like a lot (laughs) right right well because if 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 one player has it 
or if one fan at one game gets it, um, that's when you have to pull the plug again. So you've got to get to a point where that is not going to happen. Um, I mean, th- I mean, that's really the w- look at what happened with the NCAA tournament. You know, if if one person had gotten it, the whole system goes kaboom. So I, I don't think college football is any different in that regard. Yeah, and I think yeah, I mean, we we all said this to each other the night at the ACC tournament that this all started like happening when Rudy Gobert got it. I think we all knew that was the game changer. Yeah, um, for for sports, really. Yeah, it was just him having it was like okay, now this is real, and. I don't I think it was still a while before Donovan Mitchell tested positive, but it was like, oh, no, he has it. That means any number of players could also have it. Right. And yeah. 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 I mean, I think I I think more than just in terms of sports, I think that woke a lot of people up generally. Um, You know, when you see that the NBA is suspending the season that well, that's no longer, you know, political rhetoric rhetoric or anything like that. This is real. This is, you know, here it is. I, I've, yeah. I've seen a number of things like how many lives did Rudy Gobert save? Uh, but it's 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 interesting to think how that one moment was sort of like a, a switch flipping, proverbially. Although it was interesting to me that like I, I was reading the other day, Donovan Mitchell was saying that his relationship with him is probably beyond repair at this point. Blame, Which I mean, no. <laughs> Although I do, I do believe Rudy when he says like he's really sorry and you know he regrets what he did and you know we all do stupid things sometimes not knowing the full severity of our actions. Right. Um, and so I, you know, I do believe him that he's sorry, um, but I also understand where Donovan Mitchell is coming from. And right. I, I do hope one thing to come out of this is that we're all just a little less gross with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like in general, I just. And I, you know, I've talked about this on on in various forums, but like, I it's it's always been astounding to me that a flu outbreak can happen. For instance, like in a locker room, yeah, and like they'll be like, oh yeah, you know this this guy traveled with us with flu like symptoms. I'm like, why? Just leave him at home. Like right. he, he's going to pass it. Likely, the likelihood is he's going to pass it to at least a couple other players in that locker room. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah. Because, Lauren, you have to. Everybody has right. to be with the team at all times. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hope at least in general, not just in sports, but like our culture of like we have to go to work no matter what as long as we can function is at least changed a little bit by this because it's, you know, it's not good to give other people contagious diseases. Yeah, I think I think I think for for the better, this this has still potential to change society in the way that you're explaining right now, but also like you know in 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 broader ways i think people are just gonna appreciate each other's company a little more you know uh my girlfriend and i have talked a lot about what's the first thing that we want to do when this is over and oh my god yeah my answer has always been i want to go out to a restaurant and i want to sit down there and i want to have a bunch of friends and family and everything and and do a whole big deal um you know i think people are going to really come to appreciate you know moments and connections like that a lot more it's how can it not, you know, how can you not think about things like that right now? I can't, I mean, they're not a sponsor or anything. Obviously I don't have any, but I like really want to go see a movie at Alamo. I don't know why that's been stuck in my head, but I love Alamo and I love like their, their, their food is really good actually. And like they're, they have a great beer selection and just sitting down there to watch a movie and having a couple beers that maybe I wanted to try for a while and, yeah. um, you know, enjoying that while I have like a really good, oh, that adult grilled cheese they have is so good. Ooh, that sounds I would really just, good. 
right? It's yeah. like just sitting, just something so stupid is like sitting and watching a movie. And like, that's something my my toddler keeps asking for is like, I want to go to the movies. And I'm like, well, buddy, sorry. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we want to go to the beach. He wants to go to the beach. And I'm like, well, yeah, sorry. Sorry. I, I, yeah. well, I will say personally for you, um, my sister recently, for my nephews, recently bought one of those like mini projectors. Um, oh yeah, we have a projector actually. So we may do that some night. We have that in the, in the plans. Yeah, they did that. And they like threw it up on a big empty wall and had sort of like a, a make your own movie night. Um, yeah, we, we did a fake beach trip the other day too. That well, was fun. That is fun. That is nice. Yeah, I mean, it was just something where, uh, yeah, he he uh, he enjoyed that because he really wanted to pretend to go to the beach and pretend to drive me there. Yeah, um, yeah. We went home three times for supplies and went back, but it was fun. It okay. was nice. Well, hey, <laughs> at least at least you did it. I, uh, I I have been inside for so long that yesterday I went for a run and I actually got a little sunburnt. So. Um, that's that's how pale I'm getting being locked inside. <laughs> I have not exercised and I feel so bad about it, but it's like I've been busier. I've said this before, but like I've been busier now than I am during a typical like this time of year just because um, everybody at news at my work is busy with this. And so any help that I would get from news with sports, I don't have right now. Yeah. So, Right. Uh, I'm essentially like running that by myself right now, which is fine. Um, but I'm busier than I ever was before because um, having to corral a bunch of people and now I'm not exercising and I hate it, but it's fine. Honestly, I'm just trying to moderate the food and alcohol as best I can. You, More the alcohol than the food. Right. I hear you. You do you. You do you. I, everybody's dealing with it differently. I, uh, For sure. Yeah. You know, whatever works. Um, okay. Well, I wanted to touch on basketball a little bit. Um, coach K has been pretty visible through all this. He had Dr. Fauci on his show on XM. Um, I listened to that whole thing. It was super interesting. Yeah. I don't, I'm sure you did too. Yeah. Um, this, this is about a, was a couple weeks ago now. I don't know. Time is, uh, time, time is all relative, right? It's, it's all fake right now, <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I, I, I honestly, um, I also watched most of the live Instagram that Fauci did with, uh, Steph Curry. Yeah, um, me too. I, I think it was awesome that he was doing those sorts of things just because the people that you're reaching on those sorts of platforms is, is you know, a different audience than you would otherwise. I thought it was terrific that he was like seeking out those sorts of engagements. Yeah, I agree. And and I thought, you know, I, I've heard Kay fawn over people before, but um, his fawning over Fauci was definitely next level. Right. Um, and, I'm, you know, I get it. And I just loved how he was like, we are scared when you don't talk to us. Please talk to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, for the love of God, yeah. <laughs> so, we need you. I, uh, I, I, th I think, you know, we, we already sort of touched on this before, but Kay, Roy, you know, Keats, they've all been really good, in my opinion, about being yes. about not only being on message, but like continuing to put it out into the universe. Um, you know, I know Roy said on his zoom call, you know, again, I don't know when that was cause time doesn't matter. Uh, but he was like, yeah, I keep getting roped into all these PSAs. Like, okay, good. Like, I'm glad that, that they're being called upon to do that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And then they, you know, he likes that. And I know Dave Doran, for instance, his wife was a nurse, um, and they dropped off some, a bunch of meals for nurses, um, from Moe's and, um, Elliot Avent, state's basketball coach. He was, it was interesting cause you know, their season was essentially 
stopped 15 games in or so. Yeah. And he was saying the other day, he was on here locally on the radio with uh, Joe Giulio and Joe Ovius. And he was saying, I have barely thought about it because all I can think about is all these people impacted by this. Yeah. And he, he dropped off some Popeye's meals and, um, you know, it's been really cool to see these coaches locally do the right thing. And, you know, coach K I I've touched on this in the show. He hasn't seen his grandkids. They live in Durham. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's something I think people are trying to abide by regulations, but I don't know if everybody's being as strict as others and I'm not judging. I'm just, you know, saying, but right. it seems like he, it seems like he is and it can't be easy. So he's practicing what he's preaching right. and that's that's really good and i think it's setting a good example and um it's interesting and this kind of ties into what i was going to ask about a little bit but um they've been making a big deal about this g league thing yeah um where i guess they signed a couple guys that would have gone to college but aren't going to and they're just going to go straight to the g league and get paid um i'm, I'm kind of mixed on to on what that means i guess yeah um so I've seen, I've seen some people say like they're going to be not getting developed as well as they would have. And I don't know if that's entirely fair. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know that it's a threat to the collegiate model necessarily either. You know what I mean? Right. I don't I don't think it's a threat to the collegiate model. Um, I'm glad you brought this up. I, I do think the thing that's going to be interesting to, to monitor, at least, is this is to me, an option for people who are, are not interested in playing college basketball. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if fans really realize this, but, you know, there's a whole generation of high school athletes that have absolutely no interest in ever going to Duke, UNC, Kansas, Kentucky. Um, like, they're just disinterested in it. Like, their goal is to get to the NBA, not to, you know, basically wear one of these famous pieces of laundry. Um, and I don't have any problem with it. I think that's, that's fine. That's great. If you have a lifelong dream to go and do this, like go and do it, especially if you have the opportunity and the skills to, um, to me, this is going to be interesting so far as you're okay. Let's, let's say that the G league is now targeting the top, you know, 15 or so guys in every class and trying to persuade them to come and join one of these, um, you know, it's more like an Academy than even a G league. Cause you're not slotting these players into, you know, pre-existing teams. It's it's the idea that you're going to basically create a team of elite prospects, let them play together and have them travel and, and do their own thing. Um, so to me, in that respect, it's more academy-like than anything. But even if you are taking the top 15 prospects from every class, that just means that the next 15 become those elite guys that everybody's looking for. It doesn't mean that one and done isn't still going to happen. There's still going to be guys like that who, um, you know, there's still going to be Kobe White who come in and explode as freshmen and end up, you know, bolting. So I, I think that this is by no means a, a threat to the idea of college basketball single-handedly, but but the, the caliber of players and, and how things work like that, yeah, absolutely it's going to impact that. I don't see how it couldn't. Um, but but I still think you're going to have good college basketball. It's just now you're going to have it with people who are more likely to stay and develop. You're, you know, people who are in college specifically to get to the NBA, you're taking out that middle step, and, and that's totally fine. Great for those guys. Let them, let them go do what they want to do. Yeah, and I mean, what sucks, I guess, is that, you know, they. It, it's one of those things where it's like if you accelerated this name, image, and likeness thing, maybe it wouldn't be as much of a factor, but it is. Right, um, right. And, and it's going to be. Um and that's just, that's, you know, that's that's the way it is. Like, and and probably with what's going on right now, I don't know the name, image, and likeness is going to be addressed anytime soon. Right, um, right. 
I mean, which it, sucks. Right. I mean, and and if you did, ha- even if you do have that, I mean, you know, I think I saw something yesterday saying that Jalen Green is is going to be making, you know, five hundred thousand dollars with the potential to make over a million off endorsements. Um, I don't know that even name, image, and likeness is getting him to that same number. So, right. Uh, you know, I, you, you'd really have to do a lot to to get to that. So, um, you know, I saw yeah. I, I saw that chart about Cole Anthony a couple. I think that was a couple of weeks ago, saying that he would have made you know however many hundreds of thousands of dollars if he'd been allowed to capitalize on his. Um, but but c- certainly it's going to change the the overall talent pool, um, and, and it's going to change the draft system, and it's going to change one and done and all that. Um, you know, I, I'd be interested to see how this sort of aligns with the idea of scrapping one and done. Um, you know, if if these elite guys are just allowed to go to the pros, then does this G League system still make sense? Is there still is there still a desire for for some people right. who are maybe not quite to that level, but also don't care about college basketball? Is there is this like a medium option for them? So there's, yeah. there's a lot still to be figured out. But I, overall, you're still going to have great college players. You're going to have the Garrison Brookses. Um, you know, to me, that's as important as anything, like keeping players like that in college rather than letting them go. Um, you know, borderline All-Americans, making sure they come back as upperclassmen is just as important as, as keeping the elite one and done. All right. So explain to me what's going on with Patrick Tape. And I'm very disappointed his name isn't just tape. Yes, I am, too. Um, th- talk about a saga. <laughs> uh, so basically, this kid, Patrick Tape. He's from Charlotte originally, um, has been in school at Columbia, had a really good junior season at Columbia. And before his senior season, he gets hurt over the summer, last summer, um, hurts his toe. And essentially, had he played last season, this, this season that just wrapped up, he would have missed about half the year. Um, and because you're not allowed to play as a grad transfer in the Ivy League, that would have meant him missing half of his final season of college basketball, which is something that obviously he didn't want to do. So instead, he basically elects to grad transfer. And when he's going through all of his options, um, Duke is by no means the first ones in on the pot. Um, you know, Syracuse is in there early. Maryland's in there. Ohio State. There's a bunch of places that are in there. Um, and eventually Duke comes in. And, and between the, the need and the proximity, and um, obviously it's a great thing to have on your reputation, a Columbia undergrad degree and a Duke master's degree, <laughs> um, you know, he picks Duke. And, and that's sort of the clean part of the story. The rest of it after that is a mess. Um, he comes then and, and is given some not great info saying that if he wants to be an urban planner, which he does, he's studying urban studies right now at Columbia, um, then he has to get a master's degree in urban planning, which is, which is false. Um, and also, so this is like such a minute detail, but became such a not minute detail. Um, he thinks that he can't do the profession he wants to do without that degree. Duke does not offer that master's study. So he basically reopens the commitment. Um, when he discovers that that is no longer the case and he looks and he says, listen, I'm going to play minutes for Duke. They have a clear need in the inside. Um, it's close to home. You know, my family, his family lives in Pittsburgh. It just makes too much sense for him not to. He recommits and goes back. So, um, a whole big saga. Duke is happy to have him. He's a guy that, you know, when you look at it on paper, I think obviously he fits in really nicely into the void that they have in the inside. But, uh, you know, we talk about how much Roy is going to have to sort out the interior next year. Kay's going to have to do the exact same thing. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he fits, but he's definitely – the saga is finally over. I, I'm glad that we don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, just just a, a weird, weird story. But, but it works out in the best for both the kid and for the school. 
Okay, well, I'm glad you cleared that up because I was like, I was like, what's going on? Why? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, there was a lot more to the story too, but that's, that's the, the Spark Notes TLDR version of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Duke basketball never sleeps. Not that any of it does, but you know. And I'm guessing from a Carolina perspective, we don't hear anything on Cole Anthony for a bit here. He's, I mean, yeah, but he's, he's gone. I mean, he's going to go. Yeah. He's he's obviously going to go. I don't, you know, I understand the sentiment behind not wanting to make a declaration now, but um, you know, the deadline is approaching and what are you saving yourself? Not, not doing it now. But is the deadline approaching? Like, do we know that? That's fair. That's very fair. Very fair. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's my issue with this right now is it's like, I think the NBA needs to come out at a certain point and be like, okay, you know, we're either going to move the draft or we're not. I mean, yeah. guys need to start figuring stuff out. I've actually been surprised to see guys declare at this point, some of them. Um, yeah. Obviously, guys, you know, that are no-brainers are, gon- are going to. But, so were you, you know. So were you surprised by someone like a Cassius Stanley? A little bit. That was probably one that surprised me a little bit. And not not because, you know, I, I, look, if you know you're done, you know you're done. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, what are you, what process are you going to declare for? You know what I mean? And I think Roy alluded to this on his zoom, right? That like some guys are still getting some information and whatever, but it's like, yeah, but for what process, like, are you even going to be able to test the draft waters this year? What's that going to look like? Right. Right. I think, you know, what I've, what I've been tossed, heard tossed around at least is the idea of a draft in August or September. Um, which obviously would be a long ways off. I, I just think you, the benefit of going ahead and, and pulling the trigger now is that you don't, uh, you know, y- y- there's no more pretend. You can just sort of start focusing on working out. You can start investigating agents. And, and again, we don't know how the process is going to play out and the dates and specifics and anything like that. But you know that you're going to need an agent. You're going to need X, Y, and Z. You're going to be working on X, Y, and Z. You've gotten the feedback from the UAC. Um, it just sort of lets you get a little bit of a head start. And, and, you know, in the case of someone like a Cassius Stanley, it makes sense to me because it, as weird as it sounds, I don't think it really matters if he's a first or second round pick. Um, no, I get that. I, I you know, he's going to get drafted. Maybe that's not the case before he comes to Duke, but after this season, he's going to get drafted somewhere. It's going to be in that 20 to you know, absolute lowest 40 range. Um, and for him, that's a spot where he could probably go and stick with the team and, and potentially do some interesting things whenever things open back up and everything. And, and, you know, so I can understand his decision. Um, and for him, I think that the, the benefit of going now and capitalizing on your potential is probably worth more than waiting another year, being a year older, but potentially having a more defined role. You might also have more defined uh, weaknesses or holes in your game. Maybe you come back and you don't. Oh, shoot. for sure. Maybe you don't come back and shoot as well from three. So I totally understand him him going right now. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. All right, Brendan. Let me let me get you out of here. Um, thanks so much for doing this and updating us on all the drama and yes. um, you know, engaging in this therapy with me where we talk about things we have no idea how they're going to shake out yes. super fun <laughs> well I, I appreciate you having me on i'm glad you got to see uh the little one yesterday and i hope that you and your Thanks. family are safe and uh staying sane same to you you can thank you i appreciate it yeah i'm hanging on yeah. all right uh until next week everybody